Jays from home. Uh, this is our first podcast of the new year. Happy New Year! Happy New Year! And uh, it, we're we're both back at the same time for the first podcast of the new year. That's a good sign. Yes, we're coordinated quite well. Um, by the way, my name is, is is Matt, and this is my brother Steve. We are the co-hosts of this podcast. Um, yeah. You can follow us on Twitter. It's something that I've been forgetting to promote is our Twitter. Uh, it's the, the Twitter still works. Twitter's still alive, so we're still we're still posting stuff to Twitter. Yeah, I th- I think maybe the uh, the death of Twitter might uh, it's it's maybe not uh, it it's it's still imminent, but it's maybe a little further off than people said. Uh, we're also on uh, it's basically just cross posting Twitter. We're on Mastodon if uh, if you want to find that. Um, and I have given up on Instagram. I'm not posting yeah. on Instagram anymore. No, um, nobody, nobody um, follows baseball on Instagram. Uh, if you uh, the, the short way, if you are on Mastodon, just search for Jays from Home, uh, and you can search for people. It doesn't matter what uh, uh, what instance. That's just the easiest way. It's uh, it's actually not as and Mastodon not as complicated as people make it out to be. That's not a very good um, slogan. <laughs> That's not my slogan. Anyway, um, yeah, so uh, there's there's been quite a bit happening. You sent me a lot of notes throughout the holidays. Uh, I didn't yeah, read all of them, so I'm kind of leaning on your your notes here. Uh, I know the the big news, but we'll we'll get to that. Um, yeah. But you know what? Before we get to all the big news, I actually just I'm gonna I think that we should actually do the interview uh, with Tom Dreesen first off. I think that that is I think. Um, the most interesting part of this uh, podcast for this week, because there's there's not a lot of news going on this this week uh, in baseball. So let's let's kick it off to Tom Dreesen. Maybe uh, you right should expand on on who that is. Yeah, Tom Dreesen. Um, he he <laughs> that's a good point. Tom Dreesen. Um, he wrote a book recently this year uh, called Still Standing. Um, let me just get the full title here for you. Um, it's called Still Standing, My Journey from Streets and Saloons to the Stage and Sinatra. Now, it's mostly a book about his, his showbiz career, but there are a couple, um, there's a, a couple chapters where he talks about baseball. And baseball does come, come uh, back throughout the, the book as a, as, as, a, as a common thing that he, that he talks about. So I thought I'd, you know, I'd give him an email and see uh, if he wanted to talk about some baseball on our baseball podcast. And he did. So, um, yeah, Tom Dreesen, he, he's been in showbiz for, for years now. Um, he ended up, uh, I guess, at his most well-known accomplishment is that he was uh, – Frank Sinatra's opening uh, comedian for years and years and years. Um, um, so we talk about that a little bit. But we we talk. He, he's a big Cubs fan because he's from Chicago. Uh, Harvey Illinois is right right close to Chicago. So we we, we talked about uh, the Cubs. He was uh, uh, a middle aged bad boy for the Cubs. So, anyways, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna spoil the whole interview. But here it is. Here's Tom Dreesen. He's he's a big baseball fan, a lifelong Cubs fan. Um, it, it was a really great talk. Um, I was you know I could have with as with most most of my interviews. Uh, you know, I, I could have talked with Tom all day, so I'm really happy that he, he took the time. And uh, yeah, so here it is. Cool. We'll drop it in. Have you ever passed the corner of Fourth and Grand, where a little ball of rhythm has a shoeshine stand? People gather round and they clap their hands. He's a great big bundle of joy. He 
pops the boogie woogie rag, the Chattanooga shine boy. So I am here with Tom Dreesen, author of uh, a book. I consider it to be a baseball book called Still Standing, My Journey from Streets, the Streets and Saloons to the Stage and Sinatra. Welcome to the show, Tom. Thank you, Matt. You consider my book to be a baseball book? Anything that mentions baseball is a baseball book. <laughs> there is there is a real good chapter in there about uh, about my association with Chicago Cubs and stuff, you know. For sure, yeah. Um, now, but early on, you actually tell a story about um, not being able to afford uh, little little league uh, baseball equipment, yeah. um, and then you you ended up um, sh- you had to go and, and rush to shine shoes at a local bar. Um, so, did this kind of path, though, this baseball path, indirectly lead you to uh, your career in show business? You know, you know everything in your life. When I look back over my life now, every tragedy. Every shortcoming, every everything led to me being a comedian, you know. So when you, you know, especially stand-up comics, after you look over your life of of the rejections you went through, um, <clears throat> the shows you thought you you should have got but you didn't, but then something else came up. All of that leads to where you're at right now. Uh, in the baseball story you're talking about is. And I used to do a monologue um, uh, in acting classes, a whole monologue about the day Little League Baseball came to Harvey, Illinois. <laughs> and <clears throat> I was, you know, uh, all the boys in, in town were so excited. Harvey, Illinois ended up having the third best Little League ballpark in America at one time. Oh, wow. You know, the whole, the townspeople came together and put together this magnificent Little League park. And the first year of it, um, all the guys were excited. All the boys from eight years old to 12 years old were excited. All of the schools, all over Harvey, Illinois, because, you know, the tryouts were at Whittier School. Uh, I was going to Bryant School at that time. But tryouts were there. And, and it was like after school, like around 5 p.m. <clears throat> and I rushed over there because they were going to judge you on hitting, fielding, running and throwing. And and I was a good little athlete and I could do all those things. But, you know, you could have a bad day. So I was real nervous, but even more nervous because... Um, at six o'clock, I had to meet my brother Glenn and go shine shoes in all the taverns in my neighborhood. I had eight brothers and sisters, <laughs> and we lived in a shack. We were real poor. We didn't have any. We had no bathtub, no shower, no hot water. Uh, we had to boil water. Um, you know, it was a rat-infested, roach-infested shack. So, being poor like that, my brother and I, my older brother, was three years older than me. We had to go out and shine shoes. You know, I, I later shine. I shined shoes in taverns. I set pins in bowling alleys. I caddied in the summertime. I sold newspapers. Uh, I had a paper out all to help feed my brothers and sisters. And none of this do I regret. But that particular day, <clears throat> I really was excited because I wanted to play Little League ball. So I, after school, I rushed over to the Whittier School playground and and uh, they had tryouts. And I hit good. I felt, fielded good. I ran and threw good. And um, they announced that at, at the end of it all that I was one of the guys on the list to play in Little League baseball. And I was so excited. But then he made an announcement that um, the uniforms were free and everything, but you had to pay for your own spikes and you had to pay for your own, you had to have a glove. And I didn't have a glove. I actually borrowed a guy's glove to, uh, to try out and you had to have a glove. And, and then there was something about insurance, but it came to whatever it was, $25 or 20, that there was no way that I could come up with that kind of money or had a dad that would give up that kind of money. So uh, I, I, I just walked away knowing that I wasn't going to play little league baseball. Hmm. And, and that's when I, when I, I say, uh, in, in my one-man show, I would tell this story sometimes that uh, I went to, you know, I went to meet my older brother and we 
went to Shine Shoes, and the very first tavern we went to was Sparrow's Tavern. And uh, it was a long bar, and my brother sat at one in the bar, and I sat at the other, Shoe Shine, Shoe Shine. And a big, heavy set, fat, drunk guy um, turned around and he said, Yeah, I want to shine. And we charged 15 cents a shine. And if you got a, a quarter, that was a big deal, you know. Uh, and, and also, I'm making this long story longer. I'm sorry, but. Oh, it's okay. If we had a good night, my brother and I had a good night, we could stop at the day old bakery and bring home some eclairs to my brothers and sisters. That didn't happen often. You know, maybe once a month if we had an extraordinary night, they had these eclairs at the day old bakery. And when you walked in the door with those eclairs, my brothers and sisters, you look like Babe Ruth and Mickey Mantle coming in. <laughs> that. Um, but anyhow, so this particular night, the, after I got rejected from the playing Little League Baseball, I'm, I'm, I'm going through shine. And this big, heavy set guy, big, fat, red-faced, drunk guy, turned around and he said to me, yeah, I want to shine, boy. I want to shine. And, and they said, I'm going to give you $2. And he ha- held up two $1 bills. My brother stopped cold, looked at me, looked at me, whoa, this is eclair time. <laughs> I said, yes, sir. And I got down. He said, no, hold on, hold on. No, I'm, I'm not going to just give you this $2. You got to sing. Nougat shoe shine boy, boy why you shine my shoes now mm-hmm. that was on every jukebox and, and, and it was a, a, a hit song at that time i knew the song but i was a little boy i wasn't going to sing this i said oh sir i i don't know that song i'll just shine your shoes and my brother looked at me and he said well you got to sing that song but you don't get to us my brother looked at me with that look it's eclair time but it's also ass whipping time you better <laughs> brother it was you know his two passions were you know i always say his two passions were uh you know, help feed my brothers and sisters. And the other was whipping my ass when I was late for shining shoes or something. So I was so embarrassed. I'm on my hands and knees and and this big red-faced drunk, you know, I'm, I start singing, you know, I'm, I start hating him, you know. But I said, but I, have you ever passed the corner of Fourth and Grand where a little ball of ribbon has a shoe shine stand? People gather around and they clap their hands. He said, no, no, hold on, hold on. I, I can't hear you. No, we can't hear him, can we, fellas? No, you know, hold on, you know. You know, and, and they actually pulled the plug on the Jewish come on. They say, now I am embarrassed. I'd never done this before. I'm I'm embarrassed, and everybody's quiet. And I was so angry at this big fat red-faced drunk. All of a sudden I started hating him and even hating my father at that moment, because if he wasn't drinking all the time, I'd be out on a little league field. I wouldn't be here on my hands and knees in this bar. Shining shoes for this big, fat, red-faced drunk. But I sang the song with a lot of anger and energy. You know, have you ever passed the corner of Fourth and Grand where a little ball of ribbon has a shoe shine? And you know, people gather around, they clap hands. He's a great big bummer. He pops a boogie-woogie rag, and I pop that rag. Pow, pow. You know, Chad Nuka, shoe shine boy. Pow. And I, you know, I, I was loud with it. Pow, pow. And I stood up, and I put my hand out. I want my $2, you know. <laughs> and he started to applaud this guy. And all of a sudden, the other guys in the bar started to applaud. And it was the warmest feeling that I had ever felt as a little boy. They're all applauding. You know, and all of a sudden, he didn't look like a big, fat, red-faced drunk. He looked like Santa Claus to me. (laughs) (laughs) He handed me $2. And and, and I always said that from that day on, you know, I'll never forget that day. I said, from that day on, every time I'd looked go by a little league field, and I'd see a little raggedy kid with holes in his shoes peeking through the fence, watching other kids playing baseball in their shiny new uniforms. I knew just how he felt. But to this day, every time I saw somebody on stage for their first time getting a round of applause and cheers, I know just how they felt too. Yeah, for sure. And I, I know that same feeling as well, being 
a musician as as well. So it's, it is it is a great feeling just hearing people clap or just even even hearing your kids <laughs> laugh at your own jokes, even though they may not be as funny as as, <laughs> as I think they are. But um, it, it really seems like um, you love show business. Um, what is it, would you say, that you love about baseball, though? You know, it, to me, it's everything that America is about. You know, it's it's um, you, you you all get together as a team, and you're going to face adversity. You're going to face a lot of other teams and a lot of other adversity. But you pull together, you know, and you work together, and 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 you know, and you get beat. You get beat, and you get back up again, and you try again the next day, mm -hmm. and you get. And I'm a Cub fan, so you know we <laughs> years and years, and and it, it's um. It's teamwork, it's friendship, it's camaraderie. Um, it, it just, and, and then, you know, the other thing too, I wrote uh, forward to several books about the Cubs, but about Wrigley Field. Wrigley Field, you know, you're, you're driving through a neighborhood and you come to a stop sign and all of a sudden you look and there's a ballpark in this neighborhood, you know, and you go into that ballpark and you're gonna sit in a seat that your great, great, great grandfather sat in that your great-grandfather sat in, that your grandfather sat in, that your father sat in, that you sat in, your sons and your sons, the same seat. And you're going to watch the same game they watched, you know. And all of a sudden, time stands still. And all of us wish in this mad race that we're in, and this, this pace of life that we're in, that sometimes we wish time would just stand still. Well, it does at Wrigley Field. You know, it's just that m those moments of watching the game, you know, that, you know, I, I, it, it just uh, uh, they they say you know it's America's favorite pastime, but it, it truly is. It really is for if you're a baseball fan, you know. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, how have you passed your love of baseball along to your kids? You know, I, I really are they have, even receptive to it. <laughs> yeah, they, they really aren't baseball fans at all, like I am. <laughs> they just grew up in a different generation. I never tried to shove it on them. You know, they would do impressions of me hollering and screaming when the Cubs made an error or lost in the or, or had a seven run lead and lost in the in the ninth with two outs. <laughs> you know, the other team scored eight runs. But but uh, uh, the, the, I really didn't pass it on to them. And uh, and and because and, I always left that choice up to them, you know. Yeah. yeah. But they came to watch me play. You know, I played when I came out of the service. I was married now and I had kids and I played in the service. I played in a, in a fast pitch. Uh, in the service, I played basketball on the service as well, and um, and and so when I came out of service, I played in Chicago. They had 16 in softball. I played in that for years, and then when I moved out here to LA, I played in the fast pitch softball league, the show business league. Till I was 57 years old, I played left field, and uh, I, I actually was reliving my childhood as an adult. Once once I uh, you know got to be an adult. I, I played, you know, I played in the basketball league in Van Nuys till I was 48 years old. Hmm. So I've always been very, you know, very much involved in, in sports. And the kids would come to watch me play, you know. Yeah. And then as far as they know, it's it's Major League Baseball and, and the NBA, right? Yeah, right. I guess. Yeah. yeah. Um, Nobody acted like it was. but, but what it was. <laughs> Exactly. Um, you mentioned growing up in Harvey, Illinois, and that was closer to the south side of Chicago. So how did you end up being a Cubs fan instead of a White Sox fan? You know, people ask me that all the time. What happened was, is that uh, when I was like five, six years old, my dad would uh, turn on the radio and listen to Cub games. He was a Cub fan. And so <clears throat> by the time I was six and seven years old, I was a Cub fan not realizing I lived in enemy territory, you know, because uh, the Sox fans hated Cub fans. 
that rivalry, I don't care what they talk about, Boston and New York and all these great rivalries, you know, the Dodgers and San Francisco, there's no greater rivalry in, in, in America than the Cub White Sox fans in my day. And even to this day, if there were bars on the south side of Chicago, that if you're a Cub fan, you didn't go in there, you know, uh, you know, <laughs> and if you wanted to fight, if you really liked to fight, you'd wear your Cub hat into a Sox bar. <laughs> uh, so that there was a tremendous, but, and, but I was a Cub fan by that time, you know, and, uh, and, and, and then, you know, years go by for my love for the Cubs. As I became a comedian, I started writing routines about the Chicago Cubs and, and eventually got on the tonight show doing, I wore my Cub jacket on the tonight show one night, you know, mm. then, uh, Dallas green, uh, who's uh, the general manager of the Cubs at one time made me the president the first president of the diehard Cub fans club. Hmm. So I, I was really involved. I'd go to Cub conventions and everything. And then uh, Jim Fry, when he was manager of the Cubs, he let me be bat boy, a celebrity bat boy. So right. in, in the eighties for four years in a row, I would go to Wrigley field and be a bat boy for four or five days. And at Dodger stadium, when they came out here to the, uh, play the Dodgers out here in California. So yeah, I had uniform, all that, you know, and then, and then when Harry Carey had the stroke, they allowed me to announce Cub games. Oh, wow. you know, I, I announced on radio and on TV. And then I've, every year for 30 years, I've thrown out the first pitch at Wrigley. And, uh, and so I'm, I'm, I'm so involved in the Cubs. Tom Ricketts uh, knows that I'm a big Cub fan. So when I go to Wrigley Field, he and I converse about the Cubs in the future and all that. So I just became a big fan. Two, two interesting stories I'll tell you about throwing out the first pitch. Uh, one was... My grandson, who's now six foot three, and he goes <laughs> OCC, and he's a left-handed pitcher. He's been playing since he's a, he loves baseball, morning, noon, and night baseball. You know, so maybe I passed it on to him. But uh, when he was a little leaguer, uh, I they flew into Chicago, my my grandkids and my kids, and flew in Chicago, and I'm throwing out the first pitch. So he was on the in the infield with me before the game, and when they were announcing, I said, "Come out to the mound with me, Zachary." He said, oh, no, Grandpa, I'll say, I said, no, come on, walk out to the mound with me. You know, but, you know, he's a pitcher in Little League. So they introduced me, they, and the comedian, I walked out to the mound. They said, ladies and welcome, Tom Dreeson. And I raised my hand to the crowd, and I went, oh, I said, exactly, I hurt my shoulder. I hurt my shoulder. You got to throw the first pitch. He goes, oh, no, Grandpa, no. I said, yeah, you got to throw the first pitch. He threw a perfect strike to the catcher, you know. Nice. And so I told him, I said, you can go back and tell your buddies every time if you see a game at Wrigley Field, you say, when they go to the, to the mound, the camera goes to the mound, you could say, I pitched there, you know. So, but, <laughs> but he's now he's now looking for a little a major league career. He really is dedicated wow. to it morning, noon, and night, you know. But uh, that, and then uh, last year, I go into Chicago to throw out the first pitch again. And I had a fan, a woman that's been in touch with me ever since I got in show business, saying she babysat me when I was a baby. She used to change my diapers in the tavern where my mother was a bartender. I saw the video of this, yeah. Saw the video. So when they, when the, the, her daughters contacted me, and this woman's been in touch with me all these years. Now, of course, I don't remember her changing my diapers, but <laughs> my family knew that she was our babysitter. You know. So anyhow, uh, they, her daughters contacted me and said, hey, we're bringing mom to Wrigley Field the day you're throwing out the first pitch. You think you might come up and say hello to mom and take some pictures? And I said, sure, text me where you're seating, where your seats are. So when I got to Wrigley, I had the text on my cell phone. I went into the front office and I said, hey, there's a woman who's been a Cub fan all of her life. She is a huge Cub fan. She went to spring training. She went to the Cub, Cub camp where they teach you how to play baseball. You know, <laughs> she was like in her 80s. And so I said, D could I bring her out to the mound? 
you know, and they said to me, is she mobile? I said, that's a good question. So I called the daughters. I said, if I bring your mom out to the mound, could she walk out there? They said, walk. She could run out there. <laughs> and she did. The 100-year-old woman went out there with me, and, and she put she kissed her hand and kissed the mound, you know, and she tossed the ball to me, and I threw out the pitch, you know. So was, that was fun things, you know. Well, yeah, and there's a lot of a lot of love for the for the for the Cubs from the fans. Um, you mentioned being just a lifelong Cub fan, and 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 your babysitter as well, a lifelong Cub fan. How how did you keep hope alive, being fan, like a fan for for so many years, and it took so long for that World Series win to 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 finally happen? Well, you know, I, I used to joke, you know, joke and say I, I I that they claim that in all of baseball, Chicago Cub fans had the least amount of suicides because. <laughs> And I attribute it to that every year we had hope. Maybe this would be the year. You know, there used to be a joke that we'd go to spring training and the first pitch was ball one. And we'd all look at each other and say, wait till next year. You know, <laughs> this was in spring training. But hope springs eternal with Cub fans because I was afraid when the Cubs won the World Series that maybe 20,000 people would finally leap off the top of the Tribune Tower in Chicago and say, what's there to live for? The Cubs won the World Series. Mm -hmm. but, you know, to me, Cub, Cubs exemplified what Chicagoans were about. We get up in the morning in those days. I worked construction when I came out of the service and a lot of different jobs. You know, you get up and it's cold and it's winter and it's snowing, but you fight the elements and you get to work and, and you struggle all day long. You come home and you're struggling to make ends meet, you know. Uh, but then summer comes, spring comes, and, you know, all your trials and tribulations. I was working construction, but you come home and the first thing you say in those days, you'd say, what the Cubs do today, you know. Because uh, in those days, you weren't having one TV or cell phones at work, you know. So if, if the Cubs won, everything was going to be okay that day, you know. Mm -hmm. they, they were, um, we vicariously lived through them warriors. They tried and they tried and they tried. And through it all, we had some wonderful people, Ernie Banks. Could you ever find a nicer soul in the world than Ernie Banks? You know, I knew him personally later on in life. We became very good friends. He was the kindest, sweetest, nicest man and played on the last place Cubs. Two years in a row was MVP, MVP in baseball on a last place team. That's, that's tough to do. That's tough to do. But he, he was he was an amazing athlete, an amazing human being. I mean, and Ron Santo, and I mean, I could go on and on and on of the of what we you know. Um, and and, and I'll, I'll digress. When I was a little boy on the radio, one of my heroes was a guy named Andy Pafko. Uh, he played for the Cubs. He played center field. Now he, later, the Cubs traded him to the Dodgers, and it broke my heart. But I'm now years go by. I'm now on TV. I'm, I'm, I'm uh, you know, I'm the Vince Lombardi golf tournament every year would invite me to um, the Vince Lombardi golf tournament to play golf and to perform at the Black Tie Fair. Bob Hope arranged the whole thing for me because <clears throat> I used to do some shows with Bob Hope. But I'm getting ready to tee off and people are, there's programs and people ask me for autographs and I'm signing autographs and there's an old guy with a crew cut off to the side and he said, wife and I enjoy you when you're on the Tonight Show. And I'm looking at the, I'm signing autographs. Thank you very much. I don't know what made me ask the guy. He looked familiar. I said, what is your name? He said, Andy Pafko. I said, get out of here. You're Andy Pafko. Now they're hollering, Tom, you're on the first tee. I said, no, hold on, hold on. I said, I'm a big fan of yours. And he thought that I was just being, you know, complimented to him because he complimented me. I said, no, I'm a big fan of yours, Andy, number 48. I remember you. now. And anyhow, long story short, that night at the banquet, uh, he was in the audience, and I introduced him to the crowd. I had him stand up and take a bow. You know, I mean, so much of my book, as you know, you read my book. So much of my book is full things coming full circle. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, and and if you want to stay in the baseball 
story, you know the story because it's in the book. When I was 10 years old, I'm selling newspapers on the corner of 155th Street in Harvey. And I'm selling my news, newspapers all around. And all of a sudden, horns were blowing. It was October 1948. Horns are blowing, and, and people are coming from everywhere, hundreds and, and into the thousands of people. And I asked one of the elders, what's going on? He said, it's Lou Boudreau Day, Tom. I said, Lou Boudreau? He said, yeah, Tom, Lou Boudreau was born and raised here in Harvey. He was a high school basketball star. I uh, took the team three years down state where they won the state championship one year. He said um, he went to the University of Illinois, was a captain of the basketball team went to play baseball with the Cleveland Indians at age 24. He managed the Cleveland Indians and played shortstop. He hit 368 that year, only struck out eight times. He was the one who came up with the Ted Williams shift. Ted Williams always said to his grave, he said that was the Lou Boudreau shift, you know. But Lou Boudreau was this hometown hero, and they're telling me all about it. I was so excited. I sold all my newspapers, and I went down on the corner of 155th Street is the Elks Club in the post office. And Lubitro was in there having lunch. He came out with a, a couple of baseball players, Bob Feller and Bob Lemon, and the crowd's cheering him, and people were applauding him. He got in the car, and the parade followed him. And I walked home that day, and I thought, wow, somebody from Harvey, Illinois is famous. Lubitro is famous. And I, I thought, now like little boys do, I fantasize. I said, wow, maybe one day they'll have a parade for me in the band. And as a little boy, you're picturing the band and the, and the marching band. Yeah. Now, flash forward. August 22nd, 1992, I went back to Harvey, Illinois, and because I had talked so much about Harvey and all my acts uh, and all, uh, around the country, as well as national television, I talked about Harvey a lot in, on The Tonight Show and on Merv Griffin, Mike Douglas, Johnny Carson, all, I mean, all these shows that I talk about. <clears throat> so I get back, I go back August 22nd, 1992, and that street, 155th Street, where I sold my newspapers, they named that Dreesen Street. And the guy who introduced me to the crowd was Lou Boudreau. Hmm. You know, and so, and, and, and I told the crowd, I stood there as a little boy where you're standing watching this guy being honored, you know. Uh, but that's what my book, a, a lot of it about, is about full circle. Things have come full circle in my life so many times. You know? Definitely. It's, it's, and, and baseball is, is such a, a, a great way of, of, of bringing that together. Um, now, you're talking about how you have an ear of Tom Tom Ricketts a little bit. How do you feel about the direction of the Cubs after the World Series victory? Well, they did what, what you know most teams did. They could not possibly afford all those salaries. Mm-hmm. And you had you know between Rizzo, um, um, <clears throat> um, Baez, you know <clears throat> Bryant, <clears throat> those salaries couldn't be paid. They couldn't make it. So they had to do what they had to do. Like a lot of teams do, they had to, they had to go and rebuild. And they, they've done a good job in the offseason this year. They'll be, they'll be a good team next year. Will they be a pennant-winning team? I don't know, but they'll be a good team. Yeah, that's, that's, my, that's my next question, I guess, is, is like they, they made some pretty like big signings, I would say, relatively to other teams. Like they got Dansby Swanson, Jamison Tyone. Do you think that they'll like and, – and they're in an easy division. They're in the they're, – relatively. The Central is a pretty – if you're going to be in any division, the NL Central is a division that is that is winnable. Do you think that they all be able to contend for a playoff spot this year? It all depends on pitching. You know that pitching, yeah. and you got to you got to score some runs, of course. So, but it's a different baseball game than when I was growing up. I asked Joe Madden, you know, one time at a press conference, it was a golf tournament, the Joe Madden Golf Tournament. Um, but um, uh, what he had a funny name for that tournament. Don't try to suck golf tournament or something like that. <laughs> uh, anyhow, but the media was 
asking him a hundred questions and I was off to the side and for the hell of it, I raised my hand and he, he knows me. So he said, Hey, now we're going to get a good baseball question from a comedian instead of you sports writers. (laughs) So, but I said, I said, is the hit and run and the bunt out of baseball? He said, you know, basically it is, you know, moving the runner over and all this stuff. It's everybody swinging for the fences now. And his theory, he was saying, you know, you get a, you think about it in baseball, you know, a guy gets on first, he gets a base hit, and you bunt him over to second, you know, and uh, then there, there's, a, 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 you know, a ground ball and a, a double player, then, or, or, or say, say the next guy gets a hit, now you got bases loaded, and then the next three guys strike out or whatever. He said you had two or three hits, a bunt, and you scored no runs. But another guy comes up and he hits one out of the park. That's one run. So they're all swinging for the fences. Baez was the worst. Baez, if you threw the ball on the dugout, he'd try to swing at it. <laughs> but <clears throat> um, it's it's all about the home run. Schwarber, you know. Uh, so it, his theory was if a guy hits 30 home runs a year, he doesn't care if he strikes out 200 times a year if he hits 30 home runs. You know, mm-hmm. that's, that's a run. You know, you can get two hits and not make not two hits and a, and a, and a, and a bunt and, and still not score a run, you know. So, yeah, no, it'll be interesting to see how the the the, the banning of the shift and the and the enlargement of the of the bases is going to uh, change the game a little bit because we we'll, we might see more more speed into the game and so maybe maybe we'll see a little bit more small ball coming back. Yeah, well, I, I I don't know about small ball, but but I know that's the one problem with baseball that it's a it's a three four hour game sometimes you mm-hmm. know and so um, uh, you got to be a real avid fan to sit through something like that. For me, a day at Wrigley Field is like a, a day at the beach. I mean, I just, I love going to Wrigley Field. You know? um, but but I love baseball and I love the, the strategy of baseball. You know, yeah. I like to try to pick, I like to, when I'm watching the, the signs, I think, trying to see if I can tell if, 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 you know, what the signs are to swing away. But today it's it's almost always swing away, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <clears throat> when I was a bad boy <clears throat> for the Cubs, you know, I would I would dress with them. I, they let me get up and, and before the game, I could go out in the outfield, chase fly balls. They let me at batting practice. Rick Sutcliffe would pitch to me, you know, and he'd also pull pranks on me. <laughs> when, I, when I was bad boy, he would, you know, he would do stuff to me that was, uh, it's, it's some of that's in the book, but he would get us, one time he got a styrofoam cup and filled it with Kool-Aid, red Kool-Aid, but he punched a hole in it with a, with a pencil and he put his finger over that hole. Now he would tell the WGN camera guy, focus on me and Dreesen, you know, at a certain in between innings. And Rick would be talking to me and taking this Kool-Aid and he'd say, oh wait, Tommy, hold this for me, I'll be right back. And I'd, I'd hold the cup and all the Kool-Aid would go all over my uniform, but that would be on the evening news, you know, because the WGN guy's there. Yeah, yeah. Another time he he would sit me down, i said, Tommy, come here, sit by me. And I sat down, but I didn't know he put tar. And so I sat down on some black like tar and then when I and then they said, "Hey, Nipper was pitching that time," and I got a picture of this. As a matter of fact, they said, "And, and run out to the mound, Tom, and uh, give the towel to Nipper. He's flashing, for, you know, signaling for a towel." So I ran out to the game, and I got black stuff all over my my uh, pants. And of course, he had WGN camera. Another time that when I was going out to get the bats, I did. We had to wear a hard hat, the bat boys, right? So Mark Grace would be talking to me, and Rick would blow a bubble, and he'd stick the bubble on top of my hat. And then 
Grace, she'd say, you know, we left the bat out there, Tommy. And I ran out there, and I've got the bubble on top of my head. And people in the crowd are pointing at me, laughing. And me, my ego, I'm thinking they're laughing because I'm a comedian. I'm waving at them. I got this big <laughs> bubble on top of my head. And that's on the evening news. So, yeah. but, but I was a good sport about all that. It was, you know, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, for sure. That's 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 another reason why baseball is such a, a great sport to watch. Is although you don't see the, as many pranks uh, on on the field as other sports, uh, you were a key factor in the comedy uh, store strike. How did you feel about the owners' lockout last year? Well, you know, in baseball. You know, I, I did a joke one time when I was hosting the Letterman show. Uh, Letterman let me show. I said baseball players going on strike. I said seventeen seven hundred and fourteen millionaires are going out on strike. I said, and some of those millionaires are hitting 250. For those of you folks who don't understand what 250 is in baseball, you go to bat four times, every four times you get a hit. I said, let me give you a better analogy. Say you drive a truck from New Jersey into New York City uh, four days a week, and three out of four days you drive your truck off the George Washington Bridge into the Hudson River, <laughs> and you want more money. <laughs> that was my analogy. You know, uh, <clears throat> I... There's a lot of money out there. There's yeah. a lot of money out there in baseball with television rights and everything, you know. And so, uh, hey, I, I, you know, those guys play, you know, 162 games a year. That's a lot of wear and tear in the body, in and out of airplanes, you know, all that stuff. Um, hey, get what you can get. Get what you can get. And, and what's fair, you know, get what you can get. Uh, uh, sometimes it hurts that we lose a good player because uh, of a salary cap or something like that. But. But I, I, I'm, I'm for, you know, them negotiating fair price, you know. Definitely, definitely. Now, we all want to know, you 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 spent a lot of years um, as, as as Frank Sinatra's opening uh, comedian. And I'm sure you, you must hear the question a lot, but was Frank Sinatra into uh, baseball? Oh, was he ever? Yeah. <laughs> he, you know, he grew up a Giants fan. He used to piss Tommy Lasorov. Oh, really? It's true. He grew up in in Hoboken, New Jersey, and he was he grew up a Giants fan. When he came out to the West Coast, he became a Dodger fan. He had a San Francisco Giant jacket, and he had a Dodger jacket. Mm -hmm. And he liked the San Francisco hat because it said SF. It also looked like FS, like Frank Sinatra. <laughs> and our tour, when I toured with Frank, our tour jackets were black and orange. He loved those two colors, black and orange. We wore tuxedos with an orange handkerchief, you know. So he, and he'd wear that hat sometimes. But one time in Chicago, I got him and Harry Carey to go out at the ambassadors and see who could out drink each other because Harry Carey was an all-nighter. At 4.30 in the morning, Harry Carey said to Frank, you got me, and he went to bed, you know. Uh, but, yeah, Frank, yeah, he liked, he liked baseball a lot. And we would, when, when I'd go to his home sometimes, we'd watch baseball on TV. He liked football, too. He liked to watch football Monday okay. night. <clears throat> but he was a baseball fan for sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, he, he growing up in, in in Hoboken, I guess that that's the the perfect spot to, and especially when he grew up, that was that's the perfect baseball kind of mecca, you could say. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. We 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 talk baseball a lot, and, and uh, we talk about a lot of things. I, I would you know, turning with Frank Sinatra was a, uh, to me um, one of the greatest experiences a, a comedian could experience. One of the greatest things, you know, twenty thousand seat arenas, and you're going out opening for this icon. And they all came to see him. And your mm -hmm. job is to turn that around and get them laughing and get them set up for him. It was a challenge every night. And, and I enjoyed that challenge. And I enjoyed our friendship. You know, when I stayed at his home like six times a year, we'd, hang, we'd go out and, and, uh, and drive around the desert sometimes because he stayed up till dawn. He was nocturnal. He, he stayed up till dawn, whether we were on the road or off the road. So um, I, I would drive around with him in the desert. And, we'd, you know, when I was alone in the car with him, 
I wasn't Tom Greeson, the comedian. He wasn't Frank Sinatra, the singer. I was a kid from the south side of Chicago, and he was a kid from Hoboken. You know, I was from Harvey, Illinois, and he was from, from Hoboken. And we that's what we talked about. We talked about um, growing up in around saloons and, you know, because his mom and dad had a saloon, you know. And, uh, it, it, you know, he, once a New York Times guy said to him, why do you keep Tom Greeson with you uh, all these years? And Frank said, you mean besides the fact that he's funny? And the guy said, yeah, besides that. He said, well, if I'm a saloon singer, and I am, he said, then Tommy's a, a saloon comedian. By that, I mean, we're just a couple of neighborhood guys. And I never forgot that quote. I, lo I love that, because that's how I always felt when I was with him. We were a couple of neighborhood guys. One could sing, and the other could tell jokes. You know? <clears throat> and, to bring, and to bring it for full circle, that's really what your book is all about, is just, just stories from the neighborhood. And and and, and it's 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 a, a wonderful, wonderful read. Um, so, and, and the book is called? Uh, still standing, my journey from the streets and saloons to the stage in Sinatra. Um, you can find it on uh, Amazon, and it's got over 405 star reviews. I'm, I, I'm I'm patting myself on the back, but I'm really proud of that book. It's a it's a great read. I actually uh, uh, <laughs> was listening to a Mark Maron episode, and that turned me. On. He mentioned your book briefly. Um, are, are you still touring? Yo, sure. Yeah, I'm doing a one man show called The Man Who Made Sinatra Laugh. It's a 90 okay. minute show. That I, where I do stand-up comedy, but I do storytelling and pictures come on the screen authenticating the story and videos. You know, so I'm doing that. And I, you know, I I, uh, I, I do corporate dates. I, I MC sports banquets and I and I uh, do corporate dates for, you know, corporations um, where I am the master of ceremonies, but I do a monologue within the confines, you know, and, uh, and my one-man show. And I give motivation talks um, for corporate America and for universities and stuff on four subjects, perception, visualization, self-talk, and develop a sense of humor. And I elaborate on those four points. And when I'm working on new material, like this weekend, I'll go to the Laugh Factory or I'll go to the Comedy Store where I work with Mark Maron sometimes and, you know, Bill Burr and, and, uh, and Sebastian, you know, the, you know, with all the hot guys out there today. Well, yeah, it's, I'm, 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 I'm a, as, as much of a baseball nerd as I am, I'm, I'm equally a comedy nerd. So it's, it's a real honor to, to get to talk to you. And uh, hopefully you'll, you'll bring your, your show up to Ottawa here in Canada and I'll be able to, to come and, and see you live sometime. Oh, I'd love to do that. I was in love with a girl up in Ottawa and, <laughs> uh, and I sure love to see her again, but she, she's got to be an old broad like I'm an old guy. <laughs> I'll, I'll put in a good word for you. <laughs> good deal. All right. Thanks, Tom. Okay. Good to talk to you, Matt. And we're back. So now we're actually going to uh, talk uh, some Blue Jays baseball. That was a great uh, talk with, with, with Tom. Uh, thanks again, Tom, for, for, for joining us on the podcast. Uh, you know, it's always great. Like I said, I'm as much of a baseball uh, nerd. I'm also equally a comedy nerd. So it was great to uh, talk with one of one of the legends of, of comedy. He 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 had uh, as as we heard. He he. I mean, we didn't get into it too too much in the interview, but he played a big role in um in the '70s in that comedy store strike. Uh, he he was a key figure in that strike. Uh, so so he, he's a very a very important comedian uh, historically as well as a, a a legend so there you go i see well full transparency to how we record this and uh, put it together i haven't listened to it yet so uh I'll, it'll be a surprise for me later when i do yeah, finally well, listen to it i have i haven't listened back to it but uh 
uh, it was it was a great conversation for sure. Uh, but so yeah, let's get to some uh, some stuff now. Um, what? How do you want to start the Blue Jays uh, news? Well, maybe we should go <clears throat> with the most recent uh, news because uh, I mean that's that's the one I guess that's had the most coverage. Um, well, not I, the most recent, but the biggest news I guess is that you're talking about the, the Dalton Varsho yeah, trade. Yeah, yeah. So so. Um, I guess it was, was it right before Christmas that this happened? Uh, the Jays traded Dalton Varsho to the Arizona Diamondbacks for Gabriel Moreno and Lourdes Gurriel Jr. So that, that was, that was I think that was my, my big Christmas present. <laughs> did, did you say that backwards? I think you said the Jays traded Dalton Var, Varsho? Oh, well, you know what I mean. They, they acquired <laughs> Dalton Varsho um, from, the, from the Diamondbacks. Yeah, and uh, so that was that was a bit surprising to me because I was always figuring that uh, Kirk was going to be the the catcher to be sent over. But uh, I, I was in the the, the the thinking that they were going to trade Jansen. But when you when you when you take a step back and, and look at it, it really makes sense because the Jays are in win now mode. So why would they trade away their established catchers? It's it makes more much more sense that they did what they did. Yeah, and I guess uh, the off season uh, uh, showed that lots of Lots of catchers tend to be available at certain times, so maybe in the I future when they need one, they'll get they one. Kept on, they kept on popping up. They kept on popping up. But yeah, at this point, the Jays, I guess maybe like Dalton Varsho can be their third string catcher in a, in a pinch. I think he's mostly uh, going to be doing outfield uh, primarily. I don't think he'll, he'll be a, a catcher unless there's a really like an, an emergency. Uh, but yeah, I think I think that the it, it was just uh, frustrating to see all these catchers get moved when you're hearing all the rumors about the Jays. But you know they aren't the only team in Major League Baseball. Yes, uh, that's that's a that's big uh, big news right there. Yeah, and I should also note that that is my home run for the week is the Dalton Varsho trade because I think that the Jays really um, solidified their outfield defense. Um, and, uh, you know, they've, they've probably got one of the best, uh, defensive outfields at least in, uh, in, in the league right now. Well, um, I was, so I didn't list any home run strikeout or no decision. That's, mm-hmm. you know, as, as is, uh, my tradition going back to last off season is I didn't <laughs> list one. Um, but I, if I were, I was going to pick that trade as the home run, but for maybe a different reason and, and maybe, uh, a little, a little bit of a reach, but I, I saw on social media, uh, apparently some Yankees uh, fan blog uh, cited this trade as uh, the Blue Jays trying too hard for going after all the Yankees trade targets or something like that. So I'm according not sure to what this, that means either. Yeah, I, I don't know <laughs> either, but uh, it what, uh, what I'm getting at is it seems like uh, at least some Yankees fans are a little bit uh, uh, salty about the, about the Blue Jays trade for Varsho. I'm not sure exactly from what I understand. I there's not much that the Yankees might have been able to offer in order to get him yeah, and no. why they would want to. I don't know. But, well, there's uh, still rumors out there that they're, they're, they're trying to get Brian Reynolds, but I think that the, they're, um, the Yankees fans are projecting their, their off-season insecurity. Yes, onto well, the I was going to say that uh, it, it seems like the, the Yankees, getting Yankees fans riled up about Blue Jays moves, that's a, that's a good thing, I guess. Yeah, any, anything that riles up uh, uh, the Yankees fans is, 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 is fine because, uh, yeah, we all know that uh, it's World Series or bust for them. And, and I think that we're going to see a bust this year. But the, we're, this <laughs> isn't the season preview episode. Um, uh, no, know, and, and I didn't next, prepare for that. So No, neither, nor did I. And we, we, that's going to when, – when that comes around, first of all, the season will be near. So that will be just great in general. But I think it will be a fun uh, season preview this year. Um, so, yeah, you don't have anything. But I'll, I'll give you my, my – um, I'll, I'll start with my – 
I'll, I'll go with my strikeout next because uh, this is kind of more on the negative topic, so we won't end on the negative. But my, my, my strikeout is just how the Dodgers um, handled the Trevor Bauer situation. Um, you know, Trevor Bauer has re- received the longest uh, suspension, I think, in, in league history uh, outside of being banned from baseball um, for, for just uh, just the, the sexual assault allegations, I guess, at this point is what they are. Um, but the Dodgers, they, they took until the absolute last minute to uh, release Trevor Bauer uh, because I guess they were afraid that potentially uh, opposing teams might might pick him up on waivers. And they don't want the competition to, to. They didn't want the competition to get him or whatever. That would be the only reason why they would wait so long, like literally till Friday. This past Friday at like I don't know, like 5 p.m. Pacific time. So just the way they handled that, they should have just, you know, once the decision was made about um, the 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 arbitrator, I guess, uh, lowered the suspension a little bit, um, and so he's he's eligible to play for a team if if a team is is dumb enough to sign him. Uh, but the Dodgers should have just released him right there because they had, they've had plenty of time to make a decision on 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 him uh, as his future with the Dodgers. I see. Um, I yeah, I haven't really been following that too much. Uh... No, but like, well, like, just think about it. Would you want like uh, a player uh, with with his history, just even before the the the, the sexual assault stuff come, came out, he was just a you know he he's a, he was a, a toxic Twitter personality to to be kind. Like, would you want him on your team? in the first place and the answer is no, no and, you, and then would you want him on, on your team now and the answer is definitely not <laughs> any team that signs him uh deserves all the all the uh uh back backlash well and, and that any, reminds any, any me negative negativity that reminds me i saw this week uh someone posted on the blue jays uh reddit page uh that they they said well what about signing uh or going for a role this chapman and the answer no. was resounding no <laughs> no for 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 his for his his past history as well but also he's just not a good player anymore those are two guys also that uh, 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 uh those those are two pitchers that had some just uh i think some reliance on sticky stuff and then once that got that ban was in place they they maybe uh, weren't as effective uh just just person past past history aside just the the sticky stuff might uh, raise some questions as well yeah i see it's all um, sticky. It's all sticky when it comes to those guys. Yeah. Um, okay. So, what other uh, what other notes do you have? You have a no decision listed here. I have a no decision. My no decision is that uh, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. and Teoscar Hernandez are gone. Like it's it's. I understand they the trading them away was trading both of them away was was necessary to uh, acquire the players that the Jays needed to acquire. Uh, but they were two of I think some fan favorites, and they were two players that were uh, fun to watch play. And I will miss watching them uh, as a Blue Jay, but it'll be fun to watch them as Arizona Diamondbacks and, and Seattle Mariners too, though. Yeah, and I guess uh, also what this the schedule this year is the is being being redone, right? So they're going to see yeah. the Diamondbacks. It's a balanced, schedule. no matter what. Yeah, it, it just depends. I'm not like with some of the teams, they may only see them like once at home or once away. Uh, it won't be both home and away, I don't think. But uh, it's a balanced schedule where the Blue Jays will will play every team uh, at least one time. Yeah, well, the the way it works in like the NHL is uh, the Western teams uh, in the West, like the 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 East and West conferences, they play each other once at home and once on the road. So yeah, uh, that's that's the way that works. So that and I, I th- makes I, sense. I think this the this, this story goes that or the, the story, but the theory goes um, that within a three year period um all like matchups and traveling 
even though in over three years, uh, as far as like every team playing everywhere and, and, and having fair travel and everything like that. Um, so let's go, let's go to, uh, let's, let's, yeah, let's keep going, keep on going with the Jays news. Um, cause there wasn't too, too much. Well, here's, here's another big, uh, piece of news that kind of got buried and forgotten, uh, after the, the Varsho trade, but it was announced that, uh, Hyunjin Ryu could be back pitching for the Jays as soon as July. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, I definitely didn't see that. Uh, that's, that's good news, I guess, for Ryu, whether or not, uh, that's good news for the Blue Jays. I guess that depends on how he comes back. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, he, he had Tommy John surgery. Um, if, you know, if his rehab goes well, usually pitchers can come back from that. Um, so, and maybe that was kind of his, his that was what was causing his problems pitching, uh, before his injury, cause he wasn't that effective. So maybe he will be back and it will be just, a, another, um, it'll be close to a trade deadline acquisition for them without actually having to make a trade. So maybe he will be an effective arm for the Jays in this rotation. So that's, that's, that's good news. Yeah. And, um, I guess because I, I I thought he was done as a Jay. Yeah, I think most people did too. But I mean, how many years does he have left on his uh, contract? This is his last year. This is his last year. Okay, so it basically is <laughs> done with the Blue Jays a- after this year, anyways. Um, yeah, I guess I guess they can they can kind of see like how he go how he does in July, and if he's not helping them and he's or he's hurting them more than he's helping, they can just not play him, right? They can right release him. Well, well, let's not let's let's hope that he plays well in that he will be a positive addition to this uh, pitching staff. Yes. Okay. Um, so what other, so th- there was one that I think just happened yesterday being Friday yeah. or I mean Saturday. Yeah, the, Drew Hutchison is, 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 is coming back. Uh, he signed with a minor league deal with the blue Jays. He was the opening day pitcher. I think in, was it 2015 or 2016, whatever year sure. they, they, they made the playoffs. So, know. so, so welcome back Drew Hutchison. Um, well, he was on Detroit most recently, right? Or yeah, was it Chicago? Detroit. I think he pitched against the Jays last year. Yeah, I remember yeah. that, but I can't remember which team. Maybe it was Detroit. Detroit. Yeah. Detroit. So, so his his arm still works. We'll, we'll give him that. So he's he's easy to depth move. He's, I, I, you know, if if he, if he plays for the Jays uh, this year, something somebody's somebody's hurt. Yeah, I guess so. Well, yeah, minor league deal. So, um, yeah. Um, okay, so we got the trade that they did. And they sent another reliever, Julian Fernandez, to a minor league deal. Um, he, he, I guess, came from Pittsburgh, but I guess he's got um, – uh, oh, no, sorry. He was uh, he spent two, 2022 in AAA Albuquerque um, and was having home run issues. This is from a Ben Nicholson-Smith tweet. Uh, but he's got uh, some fire. He averaged 99 miles an hour on his fastball, topped out at 103. And he pitched recently in the Dominican Winter League. So, you know, he could be uh, useful if he can, you know, just keep those ho- those home run numbers down for the Jays. I see. Um, well, it, I was going to say it sounds like um, most of the rest of the deals for the Blue Jays at this point are going to be like depth things and not well, really big. Well, I'll get to it maybe a little bit later. But I think that there, there's just – I think they've got one more – uh, outfield uh, outfielder to add, uh, but let's. I, n- normally, by at this point, we would be uh, doing our uh, weekly poll. But I actually forgot to post a weekly poll as you uh, as, as, as you adjust your microphone, which I think is 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 it, is it sagging yeah. gradually? Yeah, just a little um, bit. So, but I thought this was an interesting um, this this question that someone else posted. This was a poll that someone else posted, but I thought it was an interesting 
just question to, to, or thing to talk about, a discussion topic. Uh, he says, this is from Matthew Cerrone, at Matthew Cerrone, C-E-R-R-O-N-E, uh, on, on Twitter. He says, uh, uh, in the Chalk Klosterman uh, book, The 90s, he wrote, uh, baseball's work stoppage in 94 represents the point when baseball's past became more desirable than baseball's future. And is asking if you agree or disagree. Um, what do you think about that question? Um I, I I would say neutral on that. I don't really uh, – I, I guess uh, maybe in the context of the 90s, sure, but it seems so long ago now that uh, almost uh, almost 30 years. So it seems like a lot of things have changed. Yeah, like like we've, we've gone through so many changes as far as in the style of play. Every, every 10 years or so, I would say, that the, the game changes. Like we had the – like after 1994 – there was the steroid era, and then 20, 2000 to 2010 was sort of, you know, like getting teams were starting to get a little bit uh, more analytical. And from 2010 to now, we're, we're entering even more more analytics heavy, numbers heavy uh, uh, baseball. So, so yeah, I don't know. I think 1994 as a year was maybe uh, <laughs> kind of a uh, a point in, in pop culture where where a lot of cool things happened. Uh, you know, it, it was you know, grunge music was ending and things like that. But baseball, uh, baseball just keeps regenerating itself, I would say. So like, uh, like, it's like the Borg in Star Trek. No, it's not. Maybe like they the need a, maybe they need a work stoppage every 30 years or so to, uh, to regenerate. And it's Wait, sort of what, like what, when what the Borg happen? shut down and repair. What would happen if the Borg went on strike? Because they would be a powerful union. They are they are the the, the, the galaxy's most powerful union. You you could say, <laughs> um, a strike would be a good thing, I guess. The salary cap is futile. Would that be their 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 um? Would that be their 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 their, their arguing point? I don't I know. Suppose. I would I wouldn't want to I wouldn't want to face the Borg in 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 a, in a uh, union battle. You know, the, uh, just owners. just putting it out there, um, they they have assimilated lots of humans, and even though in the 24th century baseball is a dead sport, uh, one could argue that they've assimilated the collective knowledge of baseball, so they would perhaps be the best baseball team in existence. So they would they would they would be the the Yankees. <laughs> if 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 that's your argument, sure. Okay. Well, anyways, uh, that was that was that that was not where I expected that discussion to go, but interesting. Okay, so so let's get to some some general Major League Baseball uh, news. Now, the big the big news is is Carlos Correa. Now, when I wrote this, I had originally that the Mets had signed Carlos Correa, but they have not signed. We had the Giants signing Carlos, Carlos Correa, and then we had the Mets signing Carlos Correa, and now uh, recently, I think it was uh, either Ken Rosenthal or John John Heyman, someone reported that. There are other teams now uh, interested in Carlos Correa because uh, the Mets uh, also had some uh, issues with his his ankle uh, in the, in the medicals. Um, yeah, so I guess at this point, then he's not going to get a very long contract, right? I don't know. I, I don't know if it's going to be the length of the contract or um, some like health stipulations in the contract, or if there's going to be going to be less money. Because I know that the Twins, who had signed him earlier. Uh, they had offered him ten years and I think two hundred and eighty-five million. Um, so, so they 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 had knowledge of his of his 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 medicals because they had obviously signed him already the previous year. Right, right. So I wonder if they could be a team interested. I've heard I I, I read a, I think it was a sports article, a Sports Illustrated article 
saying that the Angels should jump in, but uh, I don't think the Angels are going to make any big signings with with uh, uh, the the sale of the team on the on the, on the horizon. Hmm. Yeah, I, I I guess the good parallel uh, to that would be like the Ottawa Senators, for example. They they made a whole bunch of signings, but it doesn't look like they're going to make any big moves until the team is sold. So that uh, seems to be what the general uh, the general sense of things for any team on uh, that's for sale or potentially for sale. I mean, maybe maybe um, maybe both uh, are, are both situations are waiting for some sort of uh, resolution in the Reynolds situation. Ryan Reynolds for the Ottawa Senators. Brian Reynolds for the for MLB. I see. I see. I'm grasping at straws. Here. Yeah. Um, okay. So yeah, that's just it's just a very interesting. Uh, saga, I guess you could call it, because what is going to happen with Carlos Correa? Where will he end up? I think that he probably sticks with the Mets. Um, I think that my 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 suspicion or my guess is that uh, with the with the the Christmas break happening, there there uh, things are, things are going slower. So so I think that uh, maybe maybe sometime by the end of of January or into February, we'll, we'll have some resolution to this. Situation. Maybe he just needed some time to regenerate and, uh, and he'll be, he'll pass his medical. Do you think that he's a Borg? Is that what you're saying? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> okay. Anyways. Um, so we were talking about outfield options for the day. So I'm going to go, go this way now. Um, AJ Pollock signed with a, a contract with the Mariners, I think on Saturday. Um, so that's taking one outfield bat off uh, the table for the Jays because I think they still want to have some some uh, a depth outfielder, but um, there's still some options out there. There's Robbie Grossman, who's a switch hitter, uh, Andrew McCutcheon, who would be my pick because he's just one of my um, my, my all time favorite players. I I, remember, I I watched him a lot when he played for the for the Pirates like a decade ago now. Um, and oh, autocorrect butchered this this name, but Jerickson Profar is another another. Yeah, I was going to say this <laughs> this name does not sound familiar. Uh, yeah, I feel Jer- like Jerickson, you're making up names. Jerickson Profar. Uh, he played for the um, he played for the Padres last year. But I guess um, if he signs some, for someone else, uh, the Jerickson store call uh, will call and say that they're all out of Jerickson's. Um, anyways, but yeah, Jerickson Profar would be an, uh, also a, a good option. He was a top prospect at one point. Uh, so, so there's still some outfield options out there for the, out there for the Jays. I think they still have some, some, uh, you know, little pieces like that to, to add to the roster. Okay. Well, I guess we will see what happens. Um, just, you know what, there's, there's one here that I, I didn't know was a thing. You said, uh, Aaron judge named Yankees team captain. I didn't know that, uh, baseball teams did captains. Uh, Not like all teams do. Not all teams do captains, but uh, you know Derek Jeter was the last team captain for the uh, Yankees. It, to be a team captain for the Yankees, you've basically got to be, be a lifelong Yankee. And, and the fact that uh, you know uh, uh, Judge signed that contract until yeah, the twenty-year contract, life, right? Yeah, no, no, I think it was a ten-year, thirty-six. No, no, nine-year, thirty-six million dollar contract. So, so he's he signed. You know, he's 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 a Yankee for life, whether whether they like it or not. And he is their team captain, and he's he's a, he's a good face of the franchise. He he doesn't say anything controversial. He's you know he's 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 a good good player. He's he's vaccinated. <laughs> well, it it seems to me that he's uh, among most fans. He's a likable player. It, like a lot yeah, of times, I, I like people him. don't like Yankees players, but it seems like he's uh, he's a good one there. I'd like him better as a Giant or a Padre, but uh, you know, well, he is a Giant, isn't he? Good point. 
good point. Um, okay, and then so um, here's speaking of, of of big signings and big contracts, uh, Raphael Devers signed an 11 year, 331 million dollar extension with the Red Sox. So that's a pretty big uh, extension. Um, not really, still still not sure what direction the Red Sox are going to go this year as a team because they haven't really added too many. Uh, they they lost Xander Bogarts. Uh, they added Kenley Jansen and Justin Turner. Those are the two big signings for them in the offseason. But I don't think that they've done enough to compete you know, even with the Orioles. Hmm. Well, um, I, I guess they're they're fielding a team is the direction they're going in. Yeah. Well, the interesting thing is is um, Devers is only like a couple years older than than, than Vladdy. Um, so this this um, this contract is is kind of pointing towards what the Jays should expect to uh, extend, uh, pay for if they're going to extend Vladdy or even, even Boba Shett. Okay. Yeah. You're, you're sending me these things in as uh, comparables and I, I'm just, I'm just uh, at this point, just smiling and nodding because I, I, I don't really look too deep into contracts. Uh, no, that's, that's, that's not our jobs. We, we, we really like whatever contracts that like I, I, you know, whatever, whatever Vladdy, if he is, signs as as a jail, it will be will be worth it. But it's just, you know, I want him to be uh, a Blue Jay for life and not not be a uh, a Red Sox or like sign sign with some other competition in the in the when he becomes a free agent. Um, but yeah, so this just gives us an idea of of what Rogers might have to shell out uh, to extend Vladdy uh, long long term, which is, and I want I want to see that. So. Yeah, I think but, probably, but it's not our money. It's not probably our money. it will be. I I would not be surprised if I, I may have said this before. I I don't know, but uh, if they extend Vlad, but maybe they're they're a little more hesitant about like Bo Bichette, for example. I don't know. We'll see what kind of years they have this year that could change the um, how everything looks. Um, so here's another big. Actually, let's go to to one more extension here. Um, a couple more signings, actually. Uh, Atlanta, they, they traded for Sean Murphy, a catcher. We were talking about catcher trades before. And they signed him to a six-year extension. Uh, so that that's pretty big. And then also Texas, the Rangers signed uh, Nate Eovaldi uh, to a, 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 I think it was maybe a one- or two-year uh, deal. So so they basically, the, the Rangers have, have built a starting rotation this past offseason. So they'll be an interesting team to watch uh during the, the, the regular season. Well, it seems like, I, I think Texas, I mean, starting last season when they signed uh, Simeon, right? Like, they're kind of, they're, even though, like, last year they probably weren't really expecting to be a very good team, they're they're slowly trying to, to build things up a little bit, so I guess it's not too yeah. surprising that they would try to put something uh, a little stronger together. But again, we'll, we'll we'll discuss this in our preview episode, season preview episode. But are they going to be good enough? That's the big question. Um, but yeah, don't don't answer that. We'll just leave it rhetorical. Um, one more quick off season news, which is I think a, maybe the biggest off season story other than Carlos Correa is that ten umpires will be retiring uh, this this year. Uh, so we'll get uh, so we'll get some new umpires in twenty twenty three. Do you have uh, any any names of the ones retiring? Like, are there any notable retirees that are like really bad at uh, at calling games? Um, well, let me just click on this link here, and I will tell you. Um, uh, hard to say off. They're, they're all, you know, we can't say all umpires are, are bad. Some. Uh, well, I didn't some, say that. Are, you did. Just oh, now. <laughs> well, no, I, th- I think I think that. Uh, well, here. 
names of umpires aside, I think that we will see an improvement in the calling of the strike zone. I think that uh, younger umpires have a more consistent strike zone and are better at calling balls and strikes than some of the umpires that might be headed out the door. So um, let's just see here. Um, uh, Let's see. I'm trying to find the the list of names here, but it's not easy to... to, Okay, here we go. Uh, Ted Barrett, Greg Gibson, Tom Hallian, Sam Holbrook, Jerry Meals, Jim Reynolds, and Bill Welke. Um, Marty Foster, Paul Nart, and Tim Timmons as well. No, these guys aren't notoriously bad umpires. Well, at I was going to say I don't um, recognize any of those names, so they probably aren't bad umpires. Exactly. Yeah, if you don't know the names, and then, then yeah, but uh, yeah, we just saw you know a whole bunch of umpires retire, which is which is I don't think that uh, this big, large number of umpires has, has uh, retiring has happened in a, in a little bit. So that's interesting. But um, that's the uh, one of the bigger stories. Um, but I want to I get to our little uh, 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 trading card uh, segment here now. Um, for Christmas, uh, our brother Glenn got us some some uh, found some uh, I guess some 1993 or 1992 um, McDonald's ba- baseball cards. I think and they so, were. I, I think I said they were maybe 1992. Uh, 92. Okay. Copyright. And and so I decided that. Um, just for fun, we're gonna, uh, as they say on the on the podcast, remember some guys. You're gonna you're gonna open some non Blue Jays, uh, uh, and and I'm, I'll I'll, I'll it's, it'll basically like quiz my my 1992 baseball knowledge. So you're gonna name some non Blue Jays, and I'm gonna tell you something about them, what team they played for, or or what team they're most famously known for. Well, well, I'm going to avoid some of the – I'm not going to quiz you on these names uh, because uh, they're they're fairly big names. But I will tell you, this is the first set that I got. Um, So you're not being quizzed on these names. I got uh, two – well – Oh, the first set being there's there's eight cards I'm talking about here. There are two separate card sets. Uh, I have – So 16 cards. Two – well, yeah, in total I have 16 cards, but this is just eight of them. Uh, so I've got two Dennis Martinez cards. Uh, Frank Thomas. Well, here's, here's a fun fact about Dennis Martinez. He uh, started his career as a member of the of, of the Cleveland team before they were the Guardians. So uh, and then uh, he, he oh no no well this is no, this he, is no, a, a Montreal card. He started as an, as an Oriole. He started as an Oriole, and then he ended up in Cleveland after he was in Montreal. Sorry. Um, I have Nolan Ryan. Uh, you you talked over. I said I had Frank Thomas. Frank um, Thomas, former Blue Jay. So this probably um, well, uh, I I think I recognize the name, but I, I, I'm not sure. We have uh, Mark Langston, pitcher for the Angels. Yep, pitcher for the California Angels. Uh, yep, yep. <laughs> That's what I would have said. Okay. Um, so so and, you're, you're kind of burying the, the lead on the quiz here, but yeah. <laughs> um, and, and just to finish off that set, the Blue Jays I have were uh, Jimmy Key, Roberto Alomar, and Tom Henke. Um, I have two Tom Henke cards, by the way. Uh, sorry, three of them uh, in total and two Jimmy Keys. Yeah, I got a bunch of Kelly Grubers. Um, okay, so the next set I have here, uh, another Frank Thomas, another Dennis Martinez, Okay. Um, so this one, uh, there's no uh, small names in this one. Uh, okay. I'll start with, we have Roger Clemens. Roger Clemens, former Blue Jay. Yeah. <laughs> Houston Astro. Remember he was a Houston Astro, though, too? And he uh, started his career with the Red Sox and the, and the Yankees as well. Uh, yeah, this one is his card as a Red Sox pitcher. 
Um, we have Cal Ripken, was it? Cal Ripken Jr. He, uh, I believe he played for the Baltimore Orioles and broke Lou Gehrig's record for consecutive game plays. And some people say that he saved baseball after the strike. Um, and then uh, the last card I have here for the Oakland A's playing right field. Can you guess this one at all? Jose Canseco? Yeah. Yeah, he, he also, a, also a former Blue Jay. Interestingly, now these these cards were all from 1992, but they they all these players that you pulled were at one point or another played for the Blue Jays. And except Canseco, for Dennis he, Martinez, except for well, he played for the Montreal Expos, so we'll we'll, we'll count that too. Um, and and Dennis Martinez, uh, sorry, Jose Canseco had the the famous when he was with the Texas Ranger, uh, ball bouncing off his head for a home run. He played for a lot of teams. He played for the Red Sox. He played for the Tampa Bay Rays. He played for the Yankees. Uh, he. he I, he played for a ton of teams. I, I don't know if he still does this, but he, he at one point he would go on like tours and uh, and hit home runs in various places. He actually came and did that in Ottawa. He he uh, I remember uh, I don't remember when it happened, but uh, he he did uh, come to the Ottawa Stadium and uh, to hit some home runs uh, or something like that, like some sort Interesting. of like he would come around and and uh, show off his his home run hitting skills. Although I don't okay. think that play, the Ottawa Stadium would be too much of a uh, too much difficulty for him, but yeah, well, if, maybe, maybe if we if he did it in the dead of winter, it might be a little more difficult. But yeah, he definitely did that. Did that. He he, he kept his his career going long after it should have ended. Um, so yeah, that that was kind of uneventful, but uh, fun anyways. It's fun funny how how all these names that you're pulling again, other than maybe Nolan Ryan. Um, yeah, so many former right. Blue Jays in the mix. Uh, even Frank Thomas. I don't know if you remember. He played briefly for the for the Jays yeah, uh, in the, in the 2000s. That. Yeah. All right. So um, we don't have a, really a look ahead, but I did. I do have a 2023 goal that I've decided to set for myself for for baseball. Um, like we said before, it's a balanced schedule, so all the teams uh, will play each other. But I want to try to watch because it didn't it didn't happen last year. Um, I want to try to watch every team independently of of, of the Blue Jays. Like I, I want to, you know, like I, I don't think I watched uh, any Reds games last year, for example. So maybe I'll watch a Reds uh, Cardinals game. So that that kind of thing. So I want to try to watch every game, um, every every team in the league separate uh, outside of, of the Blue Jays games. That's my goal. I see. Um, well, that's a. Uh... That's a goal that I'm not going to adopt for myself, but uh, no, I, I'm not asking you to. I'm not asking you to. Um, and then we got a, a quick uh, Titans check on, check in here. Oh yeah, um, there's they, a little bit of news. Yeah, they signed um, Westcott. Who? What's his name? Uh, I think it's Zach uh, Westcott. Zach Westcott. That sounds right. And uh, so he's coming back. And then uh, they uh, signed uh, Jake Sanford to, uh, an extension and my link is not working right now. Um, so that, so he, he was, I guess their, their best, their best, uh, hitter for on, on the team. Yeah. He had some, 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 some major league pedigree to, to, his, to him. Uh, so that, that's some big news for the Titans that, uh, uh, nice to, to ring in the new year with. So, so there's the, that, um, and I think that's pretty much all the baseball stuff we have to talk about. Uh, do you have, some Ottawa Senators news. Is it time to cue the horns? Uh, we can cue them. <laughs> Let's cue them. Um, so uh, I don't have uh, a, a lot of news because I haven't been following them too much since I've been away. Um, 
They lost last night big time to Seattle, 8-4. to four. I did hear that Tim Stutzley got a hat trick in that game, though. He did, uh, but uh, it unfortunately was not nearly enough. Uh, they lost, like I said, they lost 8-4. to four. They went down 3-1, to one, tied it at 3, and then immediately gave up uh, the uh, go-ahead goal, which was not the winning goal because uh, they, the Senators did get a fourth goal. But uh, the the Kraken apparently um, they have a lot of games. I don't remember the exact record or how they worded it, but uh, they they win a lot of games despite allowing four or more goals, which is not great. No, <laughs> it's it's also, good you know, for now when they to get them in the playoffs. But once they're in the playoffs, they're not gonna they're not gonna go out of the first round. You know what is also not great about the Kraken. Uh, their 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 name. I'm not a fan of Kraken. I I think you know like the the 90s called and want wants want their uh, unpluralized uh, uh, names back. Uh, I don't I, I, like you know like Lightning, Kraken, Miami Heat, things like that. I I don't know Kraken. I just can't get behind uh, as as a team name. Eh, I, I'm indifferent. Uh, their their jerseys are nice. There's a lot of fans that come to the uh, Seattle games, and we went to a Seattle game last year. Uh, and uh, there are lots of jerseys, so there's there seem to be a lot of. Uh, I think there a lot of them are new fans because like they, they may be like younger uh, younger people, uh, you know, latching on to a cool logo or something. Like I remember liking the uh, Mighty Ducks when they came in, like not as a favorite team or anything, but just uh, I thought you know logos cool. Uh, I didn't I, at the time. I don't think either of us had watched the movies, so. Not sure. I, I, I couldn't say. Um, any more Senators news to... to... Um, well, they going into last night's game, they had won four to five games. Uh, and actually, they, they've been playing fairly well since uh, digging themselves into a hole in November. Um, but uh, they should have some players coming back from injury soon. Uh, I think I mentioned in the last episode, Norris was cleared for contact in practice. So I think yeah, he yeah, should be yeah. coming back this month. Um, not exactly sure when. Um, sale of the team is still kind of on hold uh, because uh, I, I guess the, like the records or whatever, the financial records aren't available yet or something. I, I don't know how exactly it's working, but um the and there's I don't know there's still rumors coming out all over the place about the sale of the team and things are kind of uh, not happening yet. Well, I've heard. Oh, that and Kachuk was named to the All Star team. That's that's okay. The, well, I didn't I mean, even hear. I, I'm I'm totally oblivious to some news like that. I, I I did hear that maybe there's another uh, group from maybe I, I think maybe L A or something that's that's putting their hat into the ring as far as uh, potentially purchasing the team. But yeah, this I, I haven't really been paying much attention at all. Yeah. Um, I, I'm basically at this point. Uh, whatever, I'll wait till the news uh, comes out. So, okay. Well, so let's just take a quick break then, and then we'll come back and talk about some non-sporting related things. All right, and we're back. We were just having some some, some riveting timestamp discussions which we will uh 
maybe not include. <laughs> um, also, I don't know if you, you you probably can't really see it, but yeah, my microphone keeps drooping down. Like it, it's I noticed it's getting lower and lower, and it's it's kind of annoying. I have to figure out how to fix that. I, I think. Well, it's... remember my suggestion. Maybe I should have given this to you for Christmas instead of sense tickets. Maybe I should have given you some Loctite for your for no, your. You... Uh, you know what I think it might be is somehow this uh, this windscreen, which you can't even see anymore. It was on the camera before. Uh, I think it's like this light thing that really is has no weight at all. It seems to be like just slightly too heavy for this uh, this microphone arm, which was designed for this microphone. I don't know. Or maybe maybe it is maybe it's pretty windy downstairs in your basement. I don't know. Oh, he's, you're lifting it back up. So let's see let's see how. How long uh, this this microphone will last? I can I can kind of see it starting to, to droop already. Yeah. Um, okay. I'll, so I'll so what do you want what do you want to start with? Um, well, I, I I'll start with the strikeout. It's uh, uh, well, this is coming close to this microphone microphone arm again. Uh, that was my strikeout last time, but um, my strikeout this time is car batteries. Uh, we came home yesterday uh, from being away for three weeks, really. And uh, tried to start our other car, which had been sitting for quite a while, and uh, it won't start because uh, the car battery is too low. So uh, we're gonna have to get see if uh, probably have to replace the battery. I bet. Yeah, that would be the. We the, had the issues with our suggest. other car at the tail end of 2022, where we had to replace the battery for that as well. So, uh, yeah, car batteries strike out. They should make they should make rechargeable car batteries. Uh, yeah, I think they have that. It's called, uh, electric cars. So, well, see, I, 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 I came to that conclusion <laughs> independently. So I, I, I will also now take over Twitter. Um, okay. So, uh, my strikeout, uh, is, uh, we took the kids to, um, it's an indoor gym, uh, called Cosmic Adventures here in Ottawa. Uh, it's basically just the kids run, run crazy and, and climb on everything and eventually, and then, and then, uh, eat ice cream at the end. Uh, but there's, it's, it's filled with children, so we decided to um, dress the kids in, in, in pink T-shirts so that we'd be able to, to spot them easily. Uh, but it turned out that um, many other children were dressed in pink T-shirts, so it was difficult to uh, tell our kids apart from other kids. So that's why it's a strikeout. Everybody was I wearing see. pink T-shirts. Well, I guess I guess the next step is you'll have to just get some flashing lights to attach them, as if you were going out for a walk at night. I think we just need to, like, I don't know, somehow feed in a leash to these play, play sets and, and, and just just somehow somehow pull them out because it, it it's just impossible get all tangled to, up though if that if you may, did that maybe 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 but it's impossible to get up there and, and and actually retrieve the children they have to come up come come down from these play structures on their own uh uh volition so it's 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 not not easy to, to get them um out of the the the, the, the play zone I see um well i'll go to my no decision uh which is uh returning home um which uh, it, it seems it probably kind of related to your no decision, but I'll, I won't spoil that. But uh, um, the, it, no decision because, uh, you know, it, having been away for a while, uh, it's good to return home and be in our own space and our own bed and, and you know, get back to routines and whatnot. But it's the, the only reason that's possible is because we have to get away from all that in the first place. Uh, so that yeah. sometimes, you know, it, it, it's, uh, it's not... It's not good that we have to return to our like we should be comfortable in our other location as well. So, okay, well, yeah. So, so my 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 no decision uh, is is just getting everybody back 
into their uh, regular routines. Um, you know, we spent two weeks on Christmas break um, having little to no routines. So tomorrow morning, like this morning, everybody kind of slept until 8 a.m., which is, I think, a new record. Uh, but tomorrow morning, we're going to have to get back into the school routine. So getting, you know, Leo and Bo up and dressed and, and ready to go uh, before the school bus comes. And even Krista, I, I, I am I am the, uh, the, the, the uh, routine... Uh, enforcer, I guess, uh, because because um, other uh, other members of the family are, are not good at following routines. So I'm the person to, to to enforce the routines. So it's good to be back into the routines, but it is difficult to enforce said routines. Yeah. Uh, well, and I, I hope that we can get into a routine. But uh, the the issue, of course, is we have to deal with our our car battery now. And I was planning on going into the office tomorrow, and I, I could still do that. I guess I could always uh, take the bus. But uh, uh, we'll we'll see what happens. Uh, have to try and get the car started today at least. Yeah. Get the, well, your car, your roadside your car assistance. Your car difficulties are definitely not routine for no. sure. Uh, well, I'll end off with my home run then. Um, starting a new notebook. Um, I I I don't use a, a planner. I use uh, what is called. Uh, it's it's a popular thing online. It's called a bullet journal. Um, not the the ones that get shared most often are like all the people like making artistic things and drawing all sorts of stuff. Like that's not what I do. I do what is probably what the uh, quote original version is, which is just a bare bones thing and just writing things down. And uh, I, I finally I actually managed to contain all of 2022 into one notebook. So. Uh, I was able to start 2023 w- with a fresh, brand new notebook that I bought at the end of last year, and uh, and uh, it's it's nice to be able to start one, and then I can I can start writing out things that I want to do this year and and accomplish. And one of those is see you're you're not seeing in the camera uh, the rest of uh, my studio here in the basement and the rest of no. the outside of the basement. You're what you can see probably looks somewhat organized. It's uh, it's really not. So uh, it, that's that's one of the things on my list. But that's uh, something I enter. I am able to write down and, and keep track of in a new notebook. So that's my home run. All right. Uh, yeah, I, I do not have a notebook. Um, but yeah, I, I I I don't have much to keep keep organized. I, I I use my phone as my notebook. I guess you could say all my notes are and reminders are in my calendar. Um, my my home run though is, is is surviving Christmas break because I think I, I guess usually there are two week long breaks, but some somehow it just feels like the way the way uh, school ended uh, they 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 maximized as many weekdays as possible uh, uh, to get the kids to to, to be home. With with me, Krista had to work a lot. Uh, so, but but I did. I I, I think I can say we're, we're recording this Sunday morning. I can say that we successfully survived Christmas break. Uh, like I said, no routines uh, or, or lack of lack of the regular routines was 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 difficult. But we 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 we, we did it. We made it through. Um, I did. I you know there was it was great to have some some family help. Uh, our parents helped, and, and and Glenn, our brother, came by a couple times to. To keep Leo and Bo busy while I while I had a couple hours to, to recharge, uh, but yeah, I somehow somehow survived Christmas break, and I didn't think that was possible. But you know, <laughs> uh, 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 having ha- getting, having uh, my lots of craft beers uh, at the end of the night uh, it was definitely helpful. Oh, speaking of craft beer, um, well, it's sort of, it, I guess it's craft beer because it's made by a brewery in Charlottetown, uh, Libra, mm. non-alcoholic beer. Oh yes. Um, 
they are available in uh, in three separate Costco locations in Ottawa. That's and those are the only three in Ontario. So uh, that's uh, that's good news if you are non-alcoholic beer fan, which I am, and also a Costco member, which uh, we are since as of last September because we had to buy some stuff in bulk for the wedding. So. <laughs> Those are those are two very 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 particular uh, <laughs> caveats to the to the situation. I, I guess yes, so. Not 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 a sponsor though. We don't have any sponsors to this website. But but you are you are a craft non-alcoholic beer enthusiast. I am a craft alcoholic beer enthusiast. Yeah. Well, uh, there's there's a enthusiast for everything, I guess. Yes, I'm also a baseball enthusiast, a comedy enthusiast. Lots of lots. I'm, I'm enthusiastic about a lot of things. Uh, well, not not a lot of things. A few things, but uh, yeah. All right. That, well, that, that let's uh, let's end <laughs> end that on that note of enthusiasm, and uh, we'll be back uh, in in a little while. I, I don't know a, a time frame because I, I I think it all depends on how much Jay's news. That's comes what I was going to say. It uh, yeah. We'll we'll see what comes out in the next few weeks. Yeah, because I, I do I do have um, an interview, interesting interview uh, happening this week, but I might just hold on to that. And we'll we'll post it on the next episode, uh, depending on, like I said, whether or not um, any major Blue Jays things happen. But I don't think that for any major Blue Jays things are on the horizon. So, so I, we'll probably uh, talk again in, in two weeks' time. Yep, probably. All right, see you next time. Bye bye.